everybody. Welcome back. This is part two of my conversation with John Vincent. If you haven't already, please go back and check out part one. Uh, again, we go deep in the weeds with a lot of drum talk. And uh, as always, it's really fun hanging out with John. Thanks for listening. I try to pepper these conversations with compliments because, you know, um, a lot of folks take personal umbrage with, you know, things you say about their taste in music. Sometimes they feel like it's a personal attack. Frank Zappa is a great guitar player. Yeah. You know, he, the guy can play. He's a fucking great guitar player. But there's just, um, oh, somebody I love, 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 love that's closely associated, associated with Zappa, Captain Beefheart, man. I was born in the desert, came on up from New Orleans. Came upon a tornado, sunlight in the sky. I wheel around all day with the moon sticking in my eye. But that doesn't feel progressive to me. That's just weirdo music. Like I yeah. love that shit, you know. So that's the difference. My brother's just like, but you like the weird stuff. I'm like, yeah, but there's it's just too much. Yeah. And it feels, you know, and that might be again, that has more to do with me necessarily than Zappa, because clearly he's doing something right or he did something right. How many records that guy have? Oh my god. Have? Who knows? Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, and he had a good eye for talent. He fucking broke alice cooper man hey i can't be mad at him oh i didn't know that that's awesome well his he he was he had a record label called straight okay and alice cooper did their first three records on there they did pretties for you easy action and uh love at the death first came out on that before they got picked up by warner brothers oh okay and you know you want to talk about killer drummers fucking neil smith from the original alice cooper band 
fuck, that guy is awesome. Like Billion Dollar Babies, you know, the drumming on that is really, really great. And it's funny because Alice is like, yeah, he kind of wrote that song. We just wrote the song around what that drum beat, that, he, that riff he was doing. Oh, wow. You know? um, Welcome to, to My Nightmare is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um there's some really good moments on there but it's not the alice cooper band but that those first all those records that featured that band are really fucking they're 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 good if not awesome yeah i've never delved into those ones i need to check those out well i mean there's some weirdo moments in there too like if you listen to love it to death there's a song called the ballad of dwight fry and it's like not what you would expect you know it's just a it's not a typical rock song. It's not radio rock the way, you know, people look at under my wheels and um, even billion dollar babies. They don't give that band the credit for the depth that they actually had with their songwriting and their playing both guitar players are really good. The bass playing's good. And, you know, Alice isn't known for a guy who has wide range, but he's got a lot of character in his voice and he's perfect. He's yeah. Perfect for that band. Yeah. You know, they sort of meld you know, the gritty garaginess of their origins with a much more complex understanding of, of music really well. Like every, like you have lowbrow and highbrow at the same time, but most people think of lowbrow because he's chopping off heads on stage. And that's, yeah. I think if you look at that, you're just kind of missing the point, you know? Anyway, I'm sorry. This oh no that's good this is uh no but that's so uh the funny thing about alice cooper is one of my former teachers is uh his drummer now oh yeah he doesn't have slouches in his band oh yeah he's he's, he's always got really good players yeah yeah he he um that's a dude you know i i respect i saw alice cooper band play at uh the civic theater fuck it's been over 12 15 years ago uh-huh. I was in when I was in Hatchet Job, our bass player got tickets. And um we had like fifth row. Oh shit. It was fucking great, man. It oh yeah. Fucking great. It was free. We got the tickets for free. That's it awesome. So cool. It was a really good show. You know, that was um I saw him was it two years ago? They toured with Deep Purple. And uh Oh, I, I didn't get to go to that show. Oh my god. He's I, how old is Alice Cooper? He's 70? Probably. Yeah. I he, mean, he still puts on a great show. You know, it's crazy. He's 73. Wow. Yeah, he's 73. And, you know, the first Alice Cooper record, because they were called The Naz for a while. Okay. Until they found out that Todd Rundgren had a band called that. Then they were called The Spiders. But they changed themselves to uh alice cooper and pretties for you came out in 69 so you gotta think what else came out in 69 like the stooges first album yeah that's like you know and um sabbath hadn't even put out their record yet yeah black sabbath wasn't until 70 uh what was led zeppelin 68 67 68 something like that that sounds so, right i mean they were real early in on it i mean they definitely didn't carry that they didn't really get any weight going uh, behind them until they did, uh, you know, Love It to Death was the hit. You know, Bob Ezrin produced it and, you know, 
you had I'm 18. That was the the big hit off that. But like that whole that whole record is great from top to bottom. Nice, it's amazing. It's a really good record. And Neil Smith is just a good drummer. He's one of those guys that is just way more than adequate, way more than creative, but doesn't overplay and hits hard, but it feels effortless. And yeah, I always like the way they produced his drums. You know, that's awesome. And, and again, I'm coming from a non-drummer's ear, but I've always liked the way his drums sounded. You know. Yeah. Um. I think. Uh, yeah, I just I'm rambling about Alice Cooper now. We went from the other Alice <laughs> Cooper, but we were talking about Prague, Zappa. To yeah, Cooper. nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah, I mean, um, so I want to switch gears a little bit because there's a band on here I didn't expect to see. And the reason I didn't expect to see, I don't know anything about their sound. I don't know what they fucking sound like. I don't know anything about them, but at least down here in Akron, they were a huge fucking deal for a lot of fucking people. And everybody that I know that saw them said they were amazing and they loved them. But, um, coin monster, um, Guido El Sorio. Yeah. If I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, man, can you talk, tell me, tell me everything you know about them because I don't know a fucking thing about them except that a lot of my friends from was early to mid nineties fucking love those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So Pennsylvania, they're from Newcastle, Pennsylvania. So like a suburb of Pittsburgh, basically, I think, um, they were just a super unique band at that point in time. So the way they were sold to me was my friend said they sounded like a really heavy primus, which so does not do them justice, but, uh, that doesn't sound appealing at all, but yeah. (laughs) Um, the bass player, they had a bass player, John Troutman, who played on their first, they did a cassette where they had a different singer that they first put out. And then I think they did the cassette was called two more weeks. So they were four piece on that. And then they did a record called Work, Sweat, and Pain Among Friends. And at that point, they were a three-piece. So um, I think they did two more records with that bass player, and then they got a different one after that. But they've pretty much been a three-piece their whole time. Uh, the drummer was just a complete ripper, really great player. He could do like the um, – like his background vocals were just awesome too. He had like a Glenn Hughes, like he could do just like the really high, oh, like just dude. awesome kind of stuff. And we're going to go there. Trust me. We're going to go there, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the, uh, this, the front man, John Raider, Ryder, uh, shit. I know the guy and I can't even pronounce his last name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shit. Uh, he, uh, he plays guitar without a pick. So he's mostly tapping. He does a lot of slapping and um, I mean, just like beating the piss out of his guitar while singing. And it was just, I had never seen anything like that before. Um, The drummer would come out and do, like he would do a drum salt. He would play barefoot and he would like mute the cymbals with his feet. He would, uh, I mean, he just, they were always doing whatever kind of weird shit they could think of. Um, but they had a very, like, they had a heavy sound. They could do, um, they covered Sarah Smile by Hall & Oates. And 
How actually, did, uh, how did that come? How did that? It was really faithful to the original, and it sounded great. Like it's a good song. How did they sing it well? Because one people people just laugh at the mustache, but man, those guys could sing. Even oh yeah, Oates, no. Even o- Oates was a great backup vocalist. He couldn't, you know, carry a whole song by himself. But come on, that's you know. Yeah, well, I mean, John had a great voice. He could pull off like he could probably pull off like most styles without too much effort. Um, and I had a, you know, I was friends with that dude for a while. We haven't talked in a long time, but um, he, I mean, he was just one of those guys that was into everything. You know, we would talk about music and he was like into a lot of soul stuff. He was huge into Steely Dan. Oh, he, he was into heavy stuff. Steely Dan is, yeah, you can't fuck with Steely Dan. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just uh, really different, you know, back in the time that they were playing Cleveland a lot, actually the first time I had seen them, they were opening for Mushroom Head, which was kind of indicative of like what the scene was like at the time. And they were just, yeah, they were kind of pulling off stuff that like no one else was doing at the time. Um, A lot of people, it was funny because down here, a lot of people, even though they sound completely different, according to my friends, because I've never heard Coin Monster, a lot of my friends who speak about them and Karma to Burn in the same in the same breath because they seem to be I don't know if they ever played together what the deal was. And I don't know. I don't yeah. think there was any relation. Maybe they played together a lot because Karma Burn was from West Virginia. Yeah. Part that was close to Pittsburgh. So maybe they played together a lot. But a buddy of mine had to clue me in, even though I hadn't heard Coin Monster, like, well, yeah, Coin Monster does not sound like Karma to Burn. It's two different things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But those were two bands that I had intertwined in my mind for some reason. I don't quite know why. Um, so what was the first show you saw them at? You said it was in Cleveland. Was it opening for Mushroom Head, right? Yeah. Where was that at? Uh, it was at the old Peabody's in the Flats. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just – I hadn't seen anyone play guitar like that before. It just, I mean, he played it like a drummer almost. I, I was convinced that that dude was a drummer and, uh, had he was, you got to be friends with him. Had he played drums previously? No, he was just, I mean, he was super into drummers and he was kind of like a drum nerd and he could tap out rhythms. No problem. But I don't think he actually played the instrument. I'm sure he, you know, would fuck around on the drummer's drums once in a while, but I mean, he wasn't like an accomplished player or anything. Is there anything worse than a member of a band who can't play drums standing live, sitting behind a drum set and acting like they know what they're doing <laughs> at practice? Yeah, I haven't actually, I experienced that a lot when I was younger. And, uh, you know, Cougar, the guitar player in Axioma, he can play drums pretty decent and yeah he's always like yeah you know i want to record these drum ideas and stuff but i can't set up my drums i'm like dude they're here just please play them <laughs> and he won't do it um well, but yeah i haven't experienced res- that in a long time he respects your drums i mean you know it's not like yeah that's the one thing about drummers that i always felt about like they've got the most shit to carry you know like yeah and as as a <sighs> vocalist point to help carry stuff in because i don't got shit to carry except for my sad ass into the club yeah i've always appreciated that by the way (laughs) i've been enough bands where it's like yo just fucking carry shit because you know nobody wants to do it you know 
but then again, most drummers are pretty used to like the, um, you know, like the idea of someone like, oh, I bought all these groceries. I have to carry all the bags in at once. Like, it's the same thing with drummers. You know, you've got 30 different pieces to grab. You're like, well, I'll grab 15 in one trip and 15 in the next. And yeah. you're in and out. Even, even if you have a smaller kit, even if you're only playing with one rack tom and one floor tom and just a crash and a ride and a hi-hat, it's still a ton of stuff. It's still weight, you know, guitar players are two trips. Yeah, yeah. You can carry your head and guitar in and then get your cabinet, which rolls. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I'll have to look into Coin Monster. You know, usually I listen to these bands that I haven't heard before when I'm editing, you know, the episodes, because then I like to, um, you know, sort of get a sense of where I'm going at. But for starters, if you got a song off that record you really like? Oh, there's uh, there's so much good stuff on that record. Um Bouncing Brain is really good. Uh, Bubble Bear is really... Yeah, their song titles are um, kind of ridiculous. What else oh, is Oh, you there? know I don't mind ridiculous song titles. That's right? true. We're yeah. in together. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you've seen my shit. You know, so um, like... But yeah, those two are really good. Uh, El Rio Beach is really good. Yeah. 
I'm such a fanboy of that record that like pretty much every song on it is great. How many What's his hose? How many records did they do? So they had two that they kind of like self-released, and then um, there were four that they put out with. Uh, I think the label might have been based out of Pennsylvania. They were called Bandaloop Records. Yeah, it has it listed here. I wasn't sure if it was just for this album or for other stuff. Yeah, so they did four records, um, which Bandaloop actually, there was another band that they had on that label called uh, Ritual Space Travel Agency. Not the same style as Coin Monster, but they were, like, if you liked Coin Monster, you would like those dudes. Okay. Um, and they were another one that, like, just from seeing Coin Monster all the time, I got to see that band a few times, and they were pretty cool. Um but yeah, the first two records as a three-piece, they had uh, one bass player, and then they switched them for the last two. So... There's only two on Spotify. Okay, got it. Yeah, so the the um, Guido Osorio was the first one on Bandaloop Records, and then is Tilton Johnson the other one on there? I don't know. Um, I'm not really fucking with Spotify right now. I'm looking at it in two different ways. Okay. okay so apple music has tilton johnson and uh guido osorio yeah so tilton johnson was the last record they put out yeah that's a huge gap that's a uh, full seven years between those two records so uh, I'll, I'll check both of those out um i'll add them right now let's talk about burnt by the sun because this is another band i don't know a fucking thing about now wait let me stop you before you start talking is this a Dave Whitty band? Absolutely. Okay, so I have heard the name. I'm familiar with Dave Whitty. Not all of his stuff. Um, I'm familiar with Discordance Axis, Municipal Waste, I Abhor Her, which I made a point to put on that uh, underrated 7 Inches episode I did for the 5 and Change installment. Oh, nice. Uh, which is amazing because it's got uh, Joey Capizzi from Cattle Press, uh, Javier from Born Against, and Dave. And it's just good fucking record. Yeah. And those songs got, you know, um, you know, uh, absorbed into cattle press, but that EP is just, it's so good. And, you know, um, oh, and of course, Brain Tentacles, which I love. Yeah. Talk Brain about, Tentacles is awesome. Talk about weirdo stuff. I fucking love that band. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Love it. Another love one of those bands that on paper shouldn't work. 
And then you listen I, and you're like, holy fuck. You know what? I knew automatically it was going to. I didn't know anything about Bruce Lamont. I had never fucking heard about him at all. Didn't know a fucking thing about it. But I knew who David yeah. was. I knew who he's capable of as far as playing. And I knew what Aaron was capable of. I don't, you know, I don't know Aaron real well. I mean, I've become kind of buddies with him. We see each other, we always have great conversations and stuff. Yeah. Um, but just from afar, seeing what he's done playing music, I'm like, well, if Dave and Aaron are in this, and this guy's a saxophone player. I kind of sort of had an idea of what it could be. And it was that, but it was more. Yeah. And it was um, absurd in the best way possible. And automatically, again, with that weirdo shit, I'm in, man. Give me yeah, absolutely. Shit, you know, so, but yeah, so Burnt by the Sun, tell me about that. Um, So Burnt by the Sun is kind of like, the culmination of like all of the Dave Witty shit that I love. He's had such a huge influence called Don Knotts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the song titles on that record are awesome. There's uh, Dow Jones and the temple, of doom Famke. Famke. That one is such a heavy song. Um, But uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just, that caught my eye. Go ahead. Um, So he's, I found out about Dave from his old band, Human Remains. Yes, I know them. Yes, I'm aware of them as well. Okay. So um, when I first heard them, I thought it was a couple of those guys. And I don't think there was any crossover between Burnt by the Sun and Human Remains. I'm pretty sure there wasn't. Um, But yeah, just his style of blasting. And I, I don't think there's anyone who plays better blast beats than that dude. That's definitely got more of like a hardcore vibe than a lot of the stuff he had played on up to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's just pure aggression through and through. It's just such a good record. A uh, lot of dissonant chords and uh, just mosh riffs, man. It's great. I'm looking, I'm looking at the song links and they look 
totally great to me. Um, I'm going to have to definitely put this on my playlist to uh, check it out. He's in a band called Under Attack right now. Okay. And, uh, they just put out a 7-inch, and it's got guys from uh, a band called – shit, was, was Mark in – was Mark in Devoid of Faith? I don't remember, but they're related to, um, no, Mark was in, um, fuck, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I think Mark was in Das Oath, I think, and I think he was also in, um, goddamn, Limp Wrist. <laughs> two hardcore bands and uh dave witty's in that is in a band called under attack with him right now i haven't heard it yet i'm going to they did a i think they did a seven inch and i know they have a split with drop dead i believe I might got the I might have those other bands that Mark was in incorrect. That's gonna drive me nuts. I'll probably end up having to uh, uh, do a correction. <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> um, um, did you see that uh, there was a collaboration? It was uh, it was Dave Whitty and Bruce Lamont, uh, Sean from Child Bite. I saw it. The, the cardiac thing. Yes. Oh my God. That was so good. Uh, I think Barney was in it and, uh, no, Shane yeah. Embry or Shane Embry. Yeah. Duh. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was fucking awesome. I've told this story to, uh, Aaron Dallison and I, I, I posted online on one of the social medias, I think Facebook. Um, when we played, uh, when we played the last blackout cookout, my son came along and I don't, I don't drag him to that sort of stuff because, you know, I'm not the dad who's like, Hey, come see what your dad does. I'm not that dude, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to be gone for the weekend. And I thought there might be something there for him. He might enjoy, you know, I let him, you know, I let him take ownership of his own music. You know, I, I don't push anything on him 
if he, if I'm playing something, he happens to ask about it. I'll let him know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so he brain tentacles played and he absolutely loved it. He absolutely fucking loved that's, it. That's that's sweet. He's like, he's like, that's fucking great. Right. So they played on Friday and then we persistent aggressor, you and I, and the other three, uh, hired hands, uh, we're playing saturday and brent turns to me and he goes so is there anybody as good as uh brain tentacles playing today and me being the smart ass that i am i said yeah us and he just rolled his eyes at me. (laughs) and he he just and he goes that's not possible and i said okay all right because you're not wrong i just yeah, <laughs> I was just being wise at you know, but yeah, brain. T- I, I would encourage anybody to listen to Brain Tentacles, and I'm gonna have to check out this Burnt by the Sun. Um, yeah. So here's a question: like, I like, you know, a lot of people get kind of weird about, you know, picking best ofs or picking their favorites of anything, partly because they get real anxiety ridden about it, and other times because we're like well that's not really enjoying music you know it's not a competition blah 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 but the spirit of it i think is it's supposed to be fun so knowing that your answer could change you know in five minutes give me five drummers off the top of your head that you absolutely love like just the drummers even if it's not the band just the drummers just the drummers okay um and it can't be the band too if you want but i mean it's just like Give me five drummers. Uh, so I'm I'm struggling to think of his name. I think it's Jimmy St. Marat. He is a drummer for a band called Ulcerate, who, in my opinion, is probably the best death metal drummer there is right now. Okay. Um, really creative. He plays, he can play flashy, he can play in the pocket. He's just phenomenal. Um Another one is Alex Rudinger. He's like a YouTube guy who's just a complete shredder. Um, I'm going to say this wrong. Morgan Morgan Agren, I believe is his name. He plays in a jazz duo called Matt's Morgan. He actually toured with uh, Devin Townsend okay. on the tour that got canceled because of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um who else? Darren King, who was the drummer of Mute Math, who was kind of like an indie rock band, was just like super creative, super amazing. And uh, one more. Shit. Uh, <laughs> now I'm at a total loss. I'm like, can I say Gene Hoagland again? But I, I want to throw someone else in the mix. Uh, you can. I mean, if he's if he's one of your favorite drummers, that's perfectly a legitimate answer. He's good. I'm gonna throw. Um, I want to throw someone else in the mix. I, Gene gets. I, you know, there was. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know any of those fucking people. You just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My, you know. I mean, I, I I perked up when you said Devin Townsend, not because I like Devin Townsend or Strapping in the Lab, but I was like, oh, I know that name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because there was a. a what is it like Loudwire, the, mm-hmm. the internet videos where they had a bunch of different bands they were interviewing and they're like, who's the best drummer in metal. And there were maybe two or three people 
that said something different. But everyone was like, oh, Gene Hoagland. Like, it was just across the board. So um, the last one I would have to throw in the mix would be... I've been trying to stall to think of another one. and <laughs> That's fine. I, I, um, I, 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 I can stall, stall, give you a little time to think about it. Um, it's funny, like, you know, people say Gene Hoagland. Um, you know, that same question gets posed to like in hardcore circles, like who's the best drummer in hardcore? And invariably it's always Mackie Jason. It's almost always Mackie Jason. Mm-hmm. And they're not wrong. You know, I mean, I, I said, um, I said on Frank's episode, the most recent one that I feel that, and it has more to do with taste rather than actual ability, but my taste that is, I feel that there's a, a higher concentration of great drummers in hardcore than almost any other genre. Almost. You know, because I was able to rattle off like five or six off the top of my head that were fucking phenomenal. You got Mackie Jason, Armand from Sick of It All, Earl Hudson from Bad Brains, Lucky Lur from Circle Jerks. Um, and who were we talking about specifically? Uh, Mark McKay from Slapshot. And there's like, you can go down the line you know, for, yeah. for me at least, you know? So when you said Gene Hoagland, I automatically thought about, you know, um, parallel wise, Mackie Jason's always the go-to answer for anybody when they ask, who's your favorite hardcore drummer? Yeah. And people ask, well, who's your favorite rock drummer? And people usually say John Bonham. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, there's that, and there's that whole world and that argument and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I don't mean it like an argument argument, but it's an interesting conversation to have, even though people don't, people get really bent out of shape out of it. They either think you're just being stupid and old and dusty and childish, or they get uh, real bent out of shape about it. You know, like if you, yeah. you tell somebody, John Bonham's not your favorite rock drummer, not the greatest rock drummer of all time. Or if you offer up somebody who's equally good, if not maybe better i don't know depending on your perspective they just oh no 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 yeah it's it's just not possible you know what the thing that gets me is it's always you know john bonham or neil pert right is is the big debate and i'm like you know it's it's been what 20 some years 30 years 30 years i think how is dave Grohl not a name in the mix yeah he well he kind of is i think that just his him as a personality and band leader for Foo Fighters sort of that becomes yeah that's true the truth is Dave Grohl is an amazing drummer yeah amazing drummer he and you know and actually if you want to call well we can take Nirvana out of the equation if you want to talk about punk rock drummers he was in Scream they were a hardcore band right Mm-hmm. he was in scream so there's another name for good hardcore chuck biscuits was in doa and then went on to be in dancing that guy's a great fucking drummer he, yeah uh bill stevenson from descendants in black flag was an amazing drummer that guy was really good um, yeah but you know i think the neil pert john bonham argument is just dumb because it doesn't take in consideration that it's been 40 some odd years since those guys were really you know I mean, there's been 40 years of musicians that have been playing music since those guys really came to fame. Yeah. 50 years, actually, right? Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, about 50 years or so when those guys ascended to the heights for between 40 and 50 years, as if there's nobody that's come after them. Yeah, exactly. But you can even ignore that. Just ignore everything that came after them. Even their contemporaries, I can name a half dozen guys that are every bit as good as them. They just play differently. Yeah. Like you and I have talked at great length about how much we love Ian Pace from Deep Purple. Yeah. And what a great fucking drummer that guy is. Absolutely. That guy, he's got power. He can play in the pocket and he can be fancy. Fireball, <laughs> that double kick at the beginning. Oh. That's like shit. I can't think of the name. Yeah. No, the song Fireball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like it was. I was blanking on it, but I had the album cover in front in my my mind's eye. But like, there's that, and you can look at him. Um, the shit Cozy Powell was doing in Rainbow, particularly at the beginning of Stargazer, that opening, um, that opening drum part. I'm like, yeah. yeah, that guy's fucking good. Yeah, uh, my favorite, my favorite drummer, not the greatest drummer in playing. I'm not gonna say that, but my favorite drummer, Bill Ward. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. He's great. He's great. I don't think Bill Ward gets enough credit. To this day, I still don't think he gets enough credit. Definitely not. I think sometimes it was because of there are times with some of those Sabbath records where his drum production just wasn't great. Yeah. It just sounds weird. And to my ears, my favorite drum production is actually off the first record. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's just, it also might be because that's my favorite Sabbath record. You know. Yeah. I mean, um but yeah, I mean, there are all those contemporaries of those guys, and it's just like it depends on what you're looking for. You know, if you're looking for somebody who's super complex, then maybe Neil Peart is the best drummer on the planet. If you're looking for somebody yeah. who really beats the hell out of his drums, I mean, he has some finesse too. But you know, I can't divorce John Bonham from John, John Paul Jones. I can't single out any moments of real greatness that he presents without that context. You know, like yeah, where I can listen to Bill Ward and say, okay, well, here's Bill Ward doing this. Uh, Neil Smith was doing this. Ian Pace, Cozy Powell. Like I see those guys, they can sort of stand out, you know. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, but, I came up with my fifth one. That perfect. Uh, there perfect we go. Timing. Um, so her name is Sarah Thower. Okay. Uh, she's like an Instagram YouTube drummer who is just mind-numbingly good she's uh she's indian so she has a lot of like indian rhythms in her playing and it's just crazy fast and awesome and totally worth checking out Bye. 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 Bye.
how much do you look at, at other cultures as far as playing goes, either with exercises or songwriting? Not as much as I should. Um, to go back to the foreign language thing, I mean, it is speaking another language. Um, when I went to music school, we basically had three separate levels. You, you start with the rock and then you move on to jazz and then the last level is Latin and each one is progressively harder than the last. Okay. Um, so I didn't even have any, I think the most exposure I had to like Indian music was how to count certain rhythms and that's it. Like we never actually did like any Indian playing or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's, you know, I would love to play in a Latin band and learn that stuff, but it's just, you only have so much, so much bandwidth to give to something, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, our brains are like hard drives. You eventually have to wipe some stuff from your memory eventually. Yeah. Or at least compress it to a point where it's just like, well, yeah, I know that, you know, until you access it again. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's what's the most difficult time signature for you to play? And this is mostly for any drummers that might be listening. What's the hardest time signature for you to play? Oh, geez. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I would nece necessarily say that I have one. Honestly, I don't know if that sounds cocky, but, uh, well, no, I mean, I guess the reason I asked that question is like, there are, I've experienced like, I've been fortunate to be in bands with like really good drummers, mm -hmm. really good drummers. You, uh, Ian Cummins from actual form. I was in a band with, Oh, him. nice. Uh, yeah. He's Patrick a ripper. He was in a band. He and I were in a band, loved playing with him uh joe melnick who played with big metal as well in yeah he bands. he played on um what was that Crystals band at dawn oh my god that record is so good
he was in the unholy three with me. He was in a hard. Oh shit! We were in a hardcore band. Uh, okay. Sean Spindler from Don Austin is very good. Yeah. He's, he's much more straight and pared down, you know, than say uh, Joe Melnick is. You know, um, Ian Ian can do a little bit of both. Um, I've been very fortunate, but I have seen bands that I know um, that have drummers that do one of two things. Either they can't sit in the pocket and play a straight beat and hold time, you know, because yeah. they, they have to do like a bunch of busy stuff or they, cause they can't do the other thing or they can't be busy at all. And they're in the pocket and that's the only thing they can do. Yeah. Like I, I haven't had that experience, but I've seen other bands, you know, and you know, I think that there are drummers out there that have real difficulty playing just a straight four four time. Absolutely. It, it drives me nuts. I'm like, how, how are you fucking that up? Yeah. And, I just, and again, I'm not a drummer. So who am I to say, how are you fucking that up? But you know, I just, it's like, do you, I mean, you've got the limb separation. Where's your sense of rhythm to go with it? You know? It's, yeah. I feel I have the opposite problem. I've got a sense of rhythm, but no limb separation. I can't do it. I just, you know, um, anyway, but that's why I asked it. Was there a specific time signature? Do you feel that playing in the pocket is harder for you or, or is playing busier more difficult for you? Uh, definitely playing busier is more difficult. I think the thing with time signatures is, um, and I try to, impart this like on my students a lot like it's basic arithmetic like yeah. a lot of people like think that playing in seven is hard but if you come at it as the mindset is like everyone can play eight hits just take away one you know you can if we did something crazy like playing in 21 well how could you easily add a couple numbers up to 21 yeah. and so it's just basically lengthening and shortening phrases to get you to where you need to be that once you're comfortable with like the basic time signatures, you can kind of combine them into play any time signature you want. Right. And so it's kind of one of the things that's cool about like, you know, I, I love playing and everything, but actually teaching people how to do it and just seeing that light bulb click of like, um, I'm not a fan of rush. Like I think they're a little too cheesy, but I, one of the songs I showed my, yeah, as a prog rock guy, but um, what's their one song? Free Will has a bunch of time signature changes in it. And uh, it's complicated if you don't know what's going on. But, you know, just kind of being able to explain that thing and see that light bulb click of like, oh, I know how to do this. I just need to add a one hit or take away one hit. And it's, you know. I, there's certainly a musical vocabulary that you need to be able to do that, but I think it's not as difficult as people think it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like I find um, for me, I have a hard time. Um, one thing I had to learn with hatch job was like singing behind the beat. Oh like, yeah. Like starting like a little bit off to mm -hmm. carry a sort of swing with a vocal because the problem was I was having, I was wanting to, you know, because with hardcore, you know, it, it can be very, ba 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 ba, or ba 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 ba. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, I always tried to do a couple things like with bands. I used to 
like to cram as many lyrics and do a song as I could to sound like I'm chasing the drums to create a, a sense of panic or a sort of, you know, um, anxiety with it. Like yeah. I deliberately thought that out, like, you know, and it might not be an original idea, but it's something I had thought of, you know? Yeah. So when I started doing hatchet job, I wanted fewer vocals, but like, well, how do I, how do I make, how do I make this work? And I'm like, well, if you're listening to the blues records that you love so much, you should be able to come in behind the beat and it'll still work. Yeah. You know? And that was really, really fucking hard for me. And I actually had to listen to the Rolling Stones a lot to make that work. And I don't mean listening to, to Mick Jagger, listen to Keith Richards guitar playing. Oh, okay. Cause he kind of sometimes well, like the per a perfect example of, of his playing that sort of had all that make sense for me where the light bulb went off was if you listen to that first ref for uh can't you hear me knocking uh -huh. like the drum beat is just like a sort of, you know, it, it's not an easy drum beat to play, but it, it's pretty straight. And that riff is just real raggedy and kind of sort of doesn't always fit. It sounds like he's either playing a couple too many notes and then he has a pause. And then it's just like, um, you'll if you get when we get off this listen to that riff and you'll see what i'm talking about but like yeah I was like, okay if i can figure out a way to do that vocally i can make this work you know so um it's not necessarily time signatures it's finding my starting and stopping points it's always been hard particularly when i'm not going on the beat yeah how long did it take you to feel like you like had mastered that like was I, it a I, I never did that band justice. Uh, I loved, loved, loved being in that band. That was one of my most favorite bands to be in. Play those guys were good fucking musicians. Matt is a great bass player and a good songwriter. And Mike Orovec is a great guitar player. He played across all the music. He never played with the bass line. And Ian and Matt carried all the songs. It was very stoogy, very laughing hyenas ish and just lurching kind of bluesy stuff but you know my vocals aren't suited for that like tone wise like i couldn't quite because I, I i in order in order to sound with the heft that i like to sound with i have to be kind of flat right but yeah. those songs were calling for going up and register more coming down and register more than i'm used to going in and on top of that, trying to find my spot behind the beat or at least starting behind the beat and catching up later and then falling back again, it was just too much. It was just out of my capabilities. But um, I as, as much as I don't feel like I did a good – I did it, as much as I feel like I did a disservice to the music of that band, it was one of the most fun times I've ever had being a band. As frustrating as it was, as challenging as it was for me, I loved playing with that band that's very, awesome very much very very much because i can you know and, and this is gonna sound arrogant and stupid but i can do a hardcore band i've been doing it for fucking 30 years you know yeah it was a whole new thing and you know same thing with contra i wasn't suited for that band that was a harder thing to figure out because it wasn't um those songs were written before i was in the band they were written as instrumentals so i had to figure out how i was going to sing to those oh okay and it, it just didn't it didn't work out it just wasn't working we did the lp and it's it's fine i like it i enjoy it but it's just not not the best thing i've done and it has nothing to do with those guys everything to do with me trying to find my spot 
you know, that was harder, but yeah, hatchet job was, was really super hard. So that's why I always like playing with a good drummer because then I can, it gives me the ability to not ignore the guitar, you know? Oh yeah. I don't, and not ignore it. Like it's not important, but like I can sort of just do whatever, you know? Yeah. I'm just, I'm following the drummer and the bass. Yeah. You know, the bass is actually counting for me, but the drum is where I'm finding my melody to go over top of it. That's cool. So, I mean, that's seriously, I, I sit because I'm so neurotic. That's actually some of the shit I think about <laughs> writing. I'm like, okay, how can I do this? You know, and it's, it's successful in some ways and other ways not. I mean, you know, um, it, like when you are playing in a band, um, if you're playing with a bunch of really good musicians, um, do you find it more difficult to stand out when you're like, when you're doing something really complex or is it easier when a song is simpler? Um, do you even worry about that sort of thing? I'd say it's more based on the, the part of the song, like, you know, and it's difficult sometimes because um, you'll hit a roadblock where you've got, you know, like three parts and you still have to add a few more parts to the song but i try to take like a bird's eye view of the whole thing and just say like okay this part needs to breathe a little bit this part needs to be more complicated so um i think it's not that difficult i think there's my biggest issue is like an it's almost an element of self-consciousness of just you know i'll have an idea and i'm like i don't know if this is cool like can you guys heap suggestions on me or like edit me somehow like you know make me move this hit or move that hit like i still um it's really easy for musicians to be selfish when they write their own parts and i don't want to fall into that trap you know right but uh it, it usually falls on deaf ears that i'm always like over analyzing and thinking about these things and everyone in the band is like no that sounds cool keep it are you are you do you find it more productive to write together or separate together unless there's um I, it depends on the project honestly okay um i feel like the persistent aggressor stuff was a little easier to write separate because well we didn't have a choice that is definitely <laughs> part of it um but like i have a tendency to kind of take things from a left field approach sometimes when i probably shouldn't and so when i have a framework there of like you know this is kind of what we're going for that makes it a little easier versus, uh, you know, with Axioma, I can go like more just finesse and light playing versus like really heavy playing. It's a bit more of a blank canvas for that. So Axioma is writing new stuff. Do you have anything else in the works? I know it's kind of hard to really, you know, say when anything will come to fruition, but do you, are you working on anything else aside from that right now? Um, Axiom is the main thing. We're probably going to hit the studio in about a month or two. Where are you going? Uh, I think we're going to work with Big Metal Dave again. We were oh. really happy with how the last record came out with him. It sounds really fucking good. He, dude, and, and the thing is, uh, I think he's upgraded since then, too. So it's only going to sound better. Um, it's a, isn't it amazing how he has a, a really good idea of how something should sound, even if it's yeah. not necessarily what he would play? yeah he's just it's crazy his ear is so good <laughs> yeah 
I, I wish I had half the recording skills that that dude does. Yeah. Um, editing this really gave me a greater appreciation for it. Like I struggle with getting the voices to sound good half the time, let alone trying yeah. to fucking get, you know, <laughs> sift through certain guitar tracks. And yeah, I've seen Dave pick out a note and be like, oh, that sounds gross. You know so yeah. <laughs> so you're going to be, you, you'll be going to see him. Um, and then um, we finished the Six Kills Nine record with him. Which, so Six Kills Nine, it's, uh, I'm on drums, Dana and Aaron from Keel Hall, mm-hmm. and then uh, Sean, the singer of Child Bite. And, uh, Who I saw, I saw you guys at the the Blackout Cookout prior to the one that we played, and you guys were great. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. A lot. That was a fun show. I think the, was the, I think the bass didn't make its way into the front of house or something there i feel like there was something weird at that show i don't recall i just remember i heard it because i was standing by the stage and i could you know aaron's loud so yeah you know um but yeah so we have that finished i'm hoping that will come out soon dave recorded that one and uh that's actually we recorded that without a click track it was all recorded live and i'm super happy with how that came out Um, how did you manage that because i'm familiar with the space how were you able to isolate the sounds Cause that's a, uh, a small ass room, John. It is a small ass room, but you've got the the guitar amps are the cabs are facing away from the drums, and he has those dividers, so he was able to separate the guitar out enough, and then the bass was easy to separate out because he ran it from he ran it from the other room, the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just in my head, I'm just thinking there's got to be all kinds of bleed, but I, you know, again, Dave knows what he's doing, so that and we were pretty well rehearsed when we went in there where like we didn't really edit anything so even if there was that bleed it was organic enough that it sounded good mm-hmm. um so other than that the only other thing i have is i just edited another video for um child bite we did another like quarantine style cover video with uh the guys from black tusk okay so um that should be coming out sometime soon, I hope. Yeah. But actually, before this comes out, hopefully. Are you playing with them on a permanent basis now? No. I know you were going to do that one tour with them. Yes? Yes. Yes. So I, I was going to do a shorter tour with them, and then they had the, the drummer who played on their last record. Um, actually, the tour I was going to play with them got canceled. Uh-huh. because they got another one with today is a day that was like a month long I remember and that. Yep. so that one they ended up i think they made it out to texas maybe mm-hmm. and then they it was like do we keep going that was right when things started shutting down yeah and they're like do we tr- you know risk it and go to california or just stop now and then sure enough like two days later everything totally shut down everywhere so um yeah i'm definitely not permanently with those guys but do they have a permanent drummer do they just rotate people in and out they rotate people in and out i think that's kind of their thing which is like super cool i guess i that sounds given how weird i am about rhythm sections i don't think i would be very happy about that i'd be like no i need to know who (laughs) i'm working with uh man i you know i wish i knew the guy's name but the guy they had on their last record, he's a killer drummer. Um, his name completely escapes me. But yeah. if you listen to that record, that Blow Off the Omens, I mean, it's it's a killer record. Yeah, it's a good record. I bought it at the 
the last time I saw him play. It was really good. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, other than that, I don't have anything else, I think, on the horizon. Um, yeah, that's about it. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for hanging out and doing this with me. Yeah, I appreciate um, I th it. I thought we'd have way more deep purple talk, but that's okay. Well, <laughs> we'll have a specific Glenn Hughes only episode. Okay, that's it. We're all done here. You can be on your merry way. Thanks for checking out the Bleach Mouth Postscript. I want to thank John again for hanging out. Uh, again, like I've mentioned, he's a really busy dude, so I really appreciate him uh, hanging out and chatting for a while. Uh, if you want to engage with me on social media, you can do so on Instagram at Larry underscore Bleach Mouth, Facebook at Bleach Mouth Postscript, and the email is bleachmouthps at gmail.com. Don't fuck with Twitter. You won't find us on Spotify. But wherever you do find us, please subscribe, rate, review, and, uh, you know, say some nice things. It uh, widens, the, widens the visibility of the podcast overall. Uh, coming up next, I don't normally announce this, but coming up next I have Ann Lillis of Beyonder Safe Words, as if a bunch of other really great bands. Uh, it's a drummer double shot as some bullshit DJ for a classic rock station might say, a double shot. Uh, usually they say that on Fridays after 5 p.m. so that uh, every uh, drunk idiot can dream of going to their local bar and having a double shot. All right, <laughs> thanks for listening and indulging that uh, bad bit of comedy there. I'm still working on my tight five. I doubt I'll have tight five. I'll probably maybe a tight two or three. 